But Philippians chapter 1 is a letter of the New Testament. And it is written by Paul to the church of Philippi. And what I want to do is I want to begin a study with you tonight. A study through the book of Philippians. Now, this book is incredible. And I want to give you my title from the very beginning. So I hope that you have something to take notes on uh, tonight because we're going to really dive into this. My title is Why Paul Loved the Philippians. You know, we're going to talk about why Paul loved the Philippians and what is his true uh, reasoning for loving them so deeply and for caring for them. Now, what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to go verse by verse through this book. And we're really going to pick this apart together. Uh, we're going to do a deep study through it. Tonight, I'm going to give you context and give you setting. Uh, but I want to walk through this book with you. Now, here's the thing about Philippians. We all know that it has those T-shirt uh, Bible verses uh, that Christians love to wear. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. It has all these verses that we are familiar with. But there is so much more to this book than just that. Those verses are amazing and I cling to them. But what I want to do is really look at this book uh, deep and in depth with you over the next few weeks. Uh, now, tonight I'm going to give you the setting. And what I want you to understand is that context is important. If you're taking notes, write that down at the very beginning. Context is important. I cannot tell you how important it is to understand context. Um, every time that we open the Bible, we got two options. Here's what you got to understand. Every single day that you wake up, every time you pour your cup of coffee, when you're getting your day started, when you're about to get rolling, we got two options with our Bible. Here it is. We have the option to either skim through it or study through it. That's the options we have every day. And the decision that we make will have a drastic impact on how we experience Jesus. Did you hear what I said? Are you skimming through the Bible or are you studying through the Bible? Because context is huge. Now, what I want you to understand is context can make or break how you read the Bible. It really can. Here's the thing about context. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember when uh, the first TV I had, my mom will remember this. I had a TV and it was an old gray and black TV. It had a, a huge back. You remember the backs that came out of the TV, a tube TV? And I mean, this thing was old. This thing literally had like 1960 printed on it. <laughs> it looked like somebody watched the moon landing live on this TV. I mean, this thing was old. And I would watch cartoons on this. I would play video games on this TV. And I remember the Christmas. It was 2009. My mom came home with a flat screen, 1080p at the time. It was amazing. Today it's outdated, but she came home with a 55-inch 1080p TV. I remember the moment hooking my game console up to that TV. I turned it on. I was like, whoa. <laughs> you know, it's this moment where all this clarity and all this brilliance and all this, you see all these things that you couldn't see on the old TV. It suddenly hits you and you realize you've been missing the full picture. Reading the Bible without context is like watching a TV show on an old uh, tube TV. You might get some of the picture, but you're missing the full picture. See, there are things there on that TV that can only be seen in light of understanding context and structure of the Bible. See, when you begin to understand Genesis to Revelation, when you understand context and what's happening, it's like taking the Bible from an old tube TV and then putting it on a 1080p flat screen TV. What you'll find is you'll realize, number one, you've been missing the whole picture. But number two, you will catch things that you did not beforehand. See, I would watch the same movies on the old TV as I would on the new TV, but I would catch these things that I missed the first time because it was, fu it was fuzzy to me. It was blurry. 
Many of you try to read the Bible and you have a hard time. It's because probably you don't understand context or setting. The Bible is not one you can just flip and point and start reading. You have got to do some, some research and study and understand what is happening. It takes energy. Why do we not do it? Because it takes effort. It's hard. So understanding context is so important. You have to understand and study the Bible. If you want to experience God, hear me on this college students, wherever you are, in order to experience God truly, we have got to be willing to study his word. He has given us revelation, but we don't dwell on it. We don't study on it. So what I want to do tonight is I want to, in a sense, take Philippians off the old tube TV and put it on the 1080p high-def te television. But we have to do that by understanding who Paul is talking to. Now, here's the thing I want to give you first. This is going to be on the screen. I want to give you the city profile. The city profile of Philippi and what exactly was happening at this time. I want you to write some of these down. Here's the city profile. If you like criminal minds, you understand what I'm doing here. It was a historically Greek city located in the northern part of today's modern Greece. In New Testament times, a Roman colony whose citizens had Roman citizenship. It was fairly large and important for gold mining. And this was home to many pagan religions and false god influences. That's going to stay on the screen for a minute if you want to take a picture of it. This is the location that Paul is in right now. Uh, this is who he's writing to. This is where he was doing ministry. Uh, this is where he planted the church in this place at this time. Now, you know i got to give you the author profile. I want to give you the author profile of Paul. This one will be on the screen as well. Look at this. Jewish born in Tarsus, he was a Roman citizen. We know that Paul was prominent. He was highly educated. And he was a Jewish religious leader considered a Pharisee. Now, before he got saved, he persecuted and killed Christians. We all know this. He was murdering Christians. He hated Christianity. He hated the church. He was killing Christians. And then he experienced what many of us have experienced. He had a radical conversion to Christianity in A.D. 35. This man had a radical encounter with Jesus. Can I tell you something tonight? You cannot truly encounter Jesus without experiencing a change. And that's not a one-time thing, but when you open your word, if you truly encounter Jesus, there is a change. He was primarily the apostle to the Gentiles, and this dude was an extreme missionary. We know that this dude was bad to the bones. This man was tough. He was mentally tough. He was imprisoned in Rome, A.D. 67. He died in prison, A.D. 68. We know the place. We know the person. Let's talk about the people. I like that right there. Let's talk about the people. Let me give you the letter profile of Philippians. The church at Philippi was founded by people who Paul led to Christ. We're going to talk about those people tonight. Epaphroditus visited Paul while in prison and gave him a gift to encourage his soul. And he may have been the pastor of the church. We don't know, but he may have been the pastor of the church at this time. Philippians is the only letter where, that we have where Paul is not correcting bad teaching and rebuking bad behavior. And what I told our leaders just an hour ago is that this letter may in fact be the closest thing we have to a true gospel-centered church, a maturing people group. This may be the closest picture that we have to that idea. And so that is the city profile, the author profile, the letter profile. Um, I can get you those notes if you didn't get a chance to write it down. But right now, before we jump into it, can we slow down? Let's just breathe for a minute. And I don't want to lead you through a breathing exercise. 
But I want you to ask the Spirit of God, the living Spirit of God, to come and join you right where you are tonight. Did you know he's willing to? (laughs) Did you know he's there? You know, some of us, we feel so far from God, it's because we make ourselves far from God, but he's always close to us. (laughs) He's right there with you. Right now as we pray, hear me. Don't go texting on your phone while I pray. Don't just bow your head while I pray. You pray. You see, we got a bad habit, and when somebody else is praying, we just do this right here, and we really just think about whatever we want to think about. Ah, I'm thinking about NBA 2K or, or going to the movies. No, would you pray? That the living God would join us tonight, that we would experience him. Heavenly Father, right now our View family is joined all across the world through technology. And Father, we thank you that we have this opportunity. Father, we thank you that we are able to come together and worship and talk about your word. And God, I do pray that you would be glorified tonight. God, I give you every word I'm going to say because we don't want to hear from me. We want to hear from you, God. Who cares what I have to say? God, we want to hear from you. Father, right now we slow our heart down so that we can hear you. Father, right now we invite your presence to be with us to be in us. God, I pray that we would not miss the word you have for us tonight. God, I pray for anyone out there who just joined in because they saw it on someone else's Instagram story and really doesn't know much about the view. God, I pray that if they don't know you, they would tonight. God, save someone. In Jesus' name I pray. If that's your prayer, say amen. I'll trust that you said amen. Look with me at Philippians chapter one, starting in verse one. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I extend grace to you, I extend peace to you. He says, I I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Keep this on the screen for a minute. Paul says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Well, who is Paul remembering? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. It goes on to say, Paul goes on to say, I'm always praying with joy. How many of us always pray with joy? I don't. I want to. Paul's a bold man. Listen, when you read the New Testament, you realize that Paul's a bold man. Because number one, he calls himself the chief of all sinners. But number two, he says that he prays always with joy. This man sought after Jesus. Was he perfect? No, but he chased after Jesus. And he prayed as if he really believed Jesus was listening to him. He says, I'm always praying with joy for all of you. He prays for all of them. I I could go word by word. He prays for every single one of us. Uh, every single one of them. How many of us only pray for the people we like? I know the verses keep coming up and going back. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But how many of us only pray for the people we like and we never pray for the people we don't? <laughs> like we all love the idea of forgiveness until we have a reason to forgive someone. <laughs> we all love the idea of it. Always praying with joy for all of you in, in my every prayer because of your, look how he views this, partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. Can I tell you something? That we have forgotten in America. Did you know that the gospel is a, the gospel work is a partnership? Do you know that Christianity is not supposed to be done alone? 
right? Some of us like to be individualistic. We like to be all on our own, but that's not how the Christian life is done. See, it's a partnership. As Jasmine begins on our team, she is joining into a partnership for the gospel. This is not Daniel's ministry. This is God's ministry, and we are all in partnership to do this together. But if you view it as it's all about you, it's all about me, it's all about my show, and, 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 and all these different things the world wants us to do, you will miss out on experiencing God. I got to get to my main point. I, I'm trying to go quick tonight, but it ain't looking good. I'm sorry. I hope you ain't got plans tonight. Bear with me. All right, just bear with me. It's the spirit, I promise. Here's the main point. One point. I tried to shorten it. I'll give you one point, all right, with three subpoints. One point here. The main point is this, God loves all people and Paul pursued all people. <laughs> Here's what we can understand. God loves all people, Paul pursued all people. Now I think that that is an amazing main point because of what is happening right now in our nation. I prepared this sermon before everything really got as bad as it is. I finished this sermon about six days ago. This was the word the Lord gave me. And what I'm going to do tonight is tell you about three completely unique and different people who God all used. Different races, different backgrounds, because he loved all people and Paul pursued all people. What a time in our nation where we need to love all people and pursue all people at a time when racism tension is higher than it's ever been. When we have protests happening out in the streets, we have people being killed in America. What a time for a message like this. What a time to be reminded that Paul pursued people for the gospel that no one else would pursue. <laughs> so why does he love them so much? Because, man, Paul loves these people. <laughs> what you read in this letter is you realize that he loves these people. He doesn't just love the place, he loves the people. See, ministry is not about loving places, it's about loving the people in the places. <laughs> Don't get it confused. It's not Philippi itself that Paul is so desperate for. It's the people in Philippi. I was talking to a college student who feels called to be a missionary. He, feel, he feels called to go to Africa. And one of the things he told me as I was talking to him, he told me this. He said, Daniel, I got to a point where I was idolizing Africa as a place of ministry. And it caused me here in Memphis to miss the people of ministry. He said that. He said he was idolizing a place of ministry and it caused him to miss the people of ministry. You know, for some of us in college, if we're honest, we want that career to take off. We want to get to that next step. We want to get to that full-time job. We want to get to that next phase. We want to get married. We want to move here. We want to go there. I get it. But are you missing the people in the place you're in because of another place you want to be in? I can't answer that question for you. I can try to answer it for myself. I tell you, I don't always like the answer. <laughs> That's the great thing about being a human. Uh, I'm in the same boat that you are. So I get it. Now, he's writing two people. Three people Paul remembers in Philippi. Write this down. Three people Paul remembers in Philippi. A is Lydia. As Paul remembers his time in Philippi, he is thinking and remembering highly likely about Lydia. Lydia is an amazing story. Look with me. I'm going to read in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 13, about Lydia. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. 
A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth, was listening. The Lord, look at this, the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. When's the last time you felt the Lord open your heart? (laughs) After she and her whole household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer, then the Lord come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Now the fact that Paul, when he gets here, he's looking for a synagogue. Watch this. He's looking for a synagogue, and he finds a women's Bible study. Number one shows a couple things. It shows the lack of Christianity in Philippi. It also shows the lack of male Jewish Christianity here in Philippi. There is a big lacking here in this city. He comes across a a woman named Lydia, and I will tell you that as Paul writes to the Philippians, Lydia means a lot to Paul. Are there people in your life that mean a lot to you for the gospel? Not just because they can do something for you, but because of the gospel. She was most likely ethnic, ethnic, oh, that's a hard word. Ethnically, ah, I can't say that. How do you say that? Ethnically, ethnically, there it is, there it is, ethnically. Boom, I'm gonna go viral for that, I hope not. Ethnically Asian, she was Asian. Oh, but don't go viral for that. And she had a house in Philippi. Now the fact that she's here, it tells us that she would have been a God-fearer and she was seeking Now, what's crazy is she was seeking after God. Here's the picture I want to paint for you. She's seeking after God, but she doesn't have all the puzzle pieces, right? Like she's getting there. Like some of you tonight who are watching, you're you're there, you're putting pieces together, but you don't have all the pieces yet. She understands there's one God. She does not believe that there are multiple gods, like the God of the sun, God of the ocean, God of the sand. She doesn't believe that. She believes there's one God. But what she hasn't come across yet is the glorious sacrifice of Jesus Christ. What she hasn't come across is that Jesus, the Messiah, has come down to earth. He walked this earth. He was perfect and sinless. He was crucified on a cross for our sin, not his because he didn't have any. He was crucified for our sin. Three days later, rose from the grave, conquering death. The greatest news you could ever hear. And Paul sees that she's missing a couple puzzle pieces. So Paul comes in and fills in the blanks. He helps this woman out. Did you catch that? You see, for us, a lot of times that's our calling is to find people who are missing a couple puzzle pieces and help them put the pieces together. The problem is too many Christians want to stay silent and we don't want to help people find the puzzle pieces of Jesus Christ that are missing. And that's why we don't experience as many people coming to know the Lord. Paul Paul strolls up to her. She's confused and he has all the answers. I think that's amazing. He says, hold up. Now notice how he appeals to her. This is very important. He appeals to Lydia because of reasoning, right? He reasons with her. He talks with her. He conversates with her, and he leads her to Jesus because Lydia would have been a businesswoman. In today's world, she would have been good at fashion. She would have been good, had a good name for herself. She would have succeeded in many ways. She would have been educated. She would have been intellectual. She would have been smart. She was successful by social standards. So he appealed to her reasoning. Now, that's amazing. And because of his approach, he led her to Christ. Can I ask you a question that convicts me every time? When was the last time you led someone to Jesus Christ? Oh, Daniel, come on, man. You can't even pronounce ethnically. Don't get on me about uh, leading people. to No, seriously, though, for real. When's the last time you and I got to lead someone to Jesus? When's the last time we got to have a gospel conversation? Man, like, is that our mission? If that's our mission, then we're, a lot of us aren't doing a great job. Listen, if Jasmine's on the swim team, if I'm on the swim team and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, 
I'm not following coach's orders and how I'm supposed to swim and the, and the drills I'm supposed to go through and how I'm supposed to train myself, then I'm not doing the calling that I have been given because I'm on the swim team. We have been placed here on this earth and God has given us a calling if we're going to be a part of his team, which is a higher team. And if we're not doing our calling, if we're not obedient to what he's called us to do, then we're really not doing what we're supposed to do. And guess what? I can't go there. I'm running out of time. I got to keep going. Woof. I'm going to get off too much. There is a supernatural bond between Paul and this woman. I can't tell you any other way. You know, it's just different. Hear me. Look at me. It's just different the relationship you build with someone when you lead them to Jesus. It's just different. It's a supernatural relationship with them. Why? Because with that person, you entered into a supernatural realm. See, salvation comes from the heavenly realm, which means your bond with that person is from the heavenly realm, which means it's different. There's a love. If you really want people to love, if you really want people that love you, get out there and lead someone to Jesus and then become best friends with them. That's what Paul did. And when Paul writes, I remember you with joy, I believe he's thinking of Lydia because she was in Philippi and helped plant the church there in Philippi. That's amazing. That is absolutely crazy. Here's the hard part. We don't share Jesus because we stay in our bubble. Too many of us have a Christian bubble that we stay in and we operate in this bubble. We function in this bubble. We never branch out to where we're uncomfortable. Our whole goal in life is to just stay comfy. I hate to pull the Jesus card on you. But aren't you glad Jesus didn't do what was comfortable? That he didn't stay in his bubble up in heaven? This man left heaven for us. And we can't leave our comfort zone for him. I'm convicted. People are dying and going to hell. And the thing that's sending them there the fastest is probably the apathy of the Christians. That's not in my notes. I don't know who that's for, but I told my team today at the end of the summer, I want to be tired. If I'm not tired at the end of the summer, I didn't do something right. I want to be a little worn out. I want my soul to be connected to Jesus where I'm not spiritually tired, but I should be a little bit physically tired if I'm really chasing after Jesus because Jesus got physically tired. He got weary. And we got to hurt for these people. We got we to care for people so much that we're willing to take on their burdens. What's happening in our nation is if we are of a different color than the color that's hurting, we should have a pain to want to fully understand their suffering even though we never will. We have to desire to be broken over the sin that we see in America. But until we desire it, we'll never feel it. We'll never sense it. We'll never know it. But Paul felt every single pain. Get out of your bubble. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out a little bit. Get around people that are different than you. Listen, when me and my wife went to New York City, I loved New York City. I don't know if you've ever been to New York City, but I love going to New York City. I got me three hot dogs. I got New York hot dogs when I was in New York. I put some mayonnaise on all three of them. You may think that's weird. I think it's delicious. I put mayonnaise on all three of my hot dogs, ate it. People were walking by like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with him? <laughs> like, oh, that boy's not right. <laughs> you know, like I was eating hot dogs with mayonnaise on it. I really was. It's good. And while we were in New York, here's what's crazy. A simple idea. But I want to propose something to you. When we went to uh, New York, I think I said Miami. We also went to Miami. It was a cool spot. But when we went to New York and we stayed in the hotel room, the last thing we wanted to do was stay in and not explore the city. See, literally, like, the reason why we went to New York was to explore around all that New York had to offer. 
See, I wanted to go to the Empire State Building. I wanted to see the Statue of Liberty. I wanted to meet people around the city. I literally was sent to New York. I went to New York to become accustomed with things I was not accustomed with. A wasted trip is to go somewhere and stay in the hotel room the whole time. Here's the downfall of Christianity. God sent us to this earth on a trip because it's not our permanent residency. We are here for a trip and it's not a vacation. And many of us stay inside the hotel room the whole time. We stay in the hotel room the whole time and we never get out to experience other cultures and other backgrounds and other people who aren't like us. And then we wonder why we aren't seeing people come to know Jesus. You would never go to a city and stay in the hotel room the whole week. So why are you and I as Christians happy sitting in the hotel room with our faith? Why are we happy sitting in the hotel room with our evangelism, with our discipleship, and not getting out and about to meet people and tell them about Jesus? That's the glorious thing about Paul. He was a world traveler, but he wasn't a vacationer. See, there's a difference. He was a missionary. And I haven't said this in a long time, but I feel somebody, I feel the Lord's telling me to say this for somebody out there. Listen, hear these words as clear as I can say them. You are not a college student who just happens to be a missionary. You are a missionary who just happens to be a college student. You think about that for a minute. Which one comes first? Do you just happen to be a missionary while you're in college? Or are you a missionary for life and you just happen to be in college? (laughs) That's crazy. I need to move on. (laughs) God is pushing some of us tonight. He's pushing some of us. Don't get it twisted, though. Why do we like to stay in a hotel room? Why, Why do we like to stay in our home? Because it's comfortable. Your bubble will be comfortable. When we have these groups that we don't let other people in, you'll be comfy but you will miss out on what God is wanting to do. So get out. B, the second person that I believe he's thinking about is the slave girl. And we see this instance in Acts 16 as well. Look with me here. Once as we were on our way to prayer in Acts 16, verse 16. Once as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. Now she's not in control of her life. She's being manipulated and used here for money. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the most high God. She did this for many days. She was hindering their ministry. Paul was greatly annoyed turning to the spirit. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone and seized Paul and Silas, they dragged them into the marketplace of the authorities, bringing them. These men are, they said that these men are seriously disturbing our city. They said that they are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or to practice. Isn't that amazing? Now watch this comparison here. This is crazy. You have Lydia who's in control of her life who has things going for her, a business-esque woman. Then you have the slave girl who is in no control. She is being manipulated for money. She is possessed. She has a demon. She is literally completely helpless and out of control. And most people would look at her today and would stay away and would keep their distance 
and would avoid a little bit. You have two polar opposite people here. The contrast is amazing. Lydia is Asian and this girl is Greek. Lydia was intellectual. This slave girl is impoverished. Paul's approach is different with this girl. Watch this. He didn't go to her and start trying to reason with her. Why? She's beyond reasoning. He can't reason with her right now. What he does is he goes straight to spiritual power in order to reach her. You know, there was a time in my life, I was wondering what story the Lord wanted me to tell tonight. There was a time in my life where you couldn't have got through to me with reasoning. When I was lost, when I was 19, when I was struggling with loneliness and with pain and with hurt and depression and fear and all these things, you couldn't have got through to me with reasoning. You couldn't have got through to me with anything except one thing, and my parents knew what it was. It was prayer. See, when I was lost, my parents never stopped praying for me. You hear Jasmine talk about her parents prayed for her and were firm with her. My parents knew that if they couldn't help me in the earthly realm, they had to open up the heavenly realm and bring down the power from God to reach me. And it was those prayers when I was lost that reached me. See, there's some people you can't get through with reasoning right now, but that doesn't mean you and I give up. It means you literally need to open the spiritual realm through prayer and bring down the power that God has in order to reach those people. I was talking to Paul Jones, one of our amazing students, and, and he was sharing with me about how he's trying to do that in his life right now. Isn't that amazing? We have college students who are trying to reach people in their life that it's hard to get through, but you have to pray for them. And you'll see miracles happen. Nobody would have predicted this slave girl would get saved like this. Listen, what I wrote down is God will use people no one else would use to cause miracles that no one else could do. Isn't that amazing? God will use and choose people no one else would use to cause miracles that no one else could do. Wow. Abraham, Moses, David, Peter. I love this quote. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. <laughs> Abraham, Moses, David, Peter, Paul. Wow. Now I got to challenge you. And I hate to do it because I know you know it's coming. It's easy to become friends with someone like Lydia. I know, I got to challenge you. You know where I'm headed. You know where I'm headed. You already know. We can all become best friends with Lydia. Why? Intellectual, smart, easy to talk to, has stuff going for her. She welcomed them, welcomed them into her home. She can welcome us into her home, feed us. It's easy to become friends with someone like Lydia, but it's a whole lot harder to become friends with someone like the slave girl. Why? Because while Lydia can do stuff for you, the slave girl can do nothing for you. See, how we operate is we operate in ways that allow us to be around people who can do something for us. But we never do things for people who can't do anything for us. And so we try to get around people with power. We try to put ourselves in the, the right place at the right time to be seen, to make it, to get to some position or some job, and we're missing out on where we are. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to do the most for the people who can do the least? Would you be willing to do the most for people who can only do the least? This woman cannot do anything for Paul. And that's who he's thinking about. That's what's amazing. As he writes from prison to the church of Philippi, he thinks about Lydia. He thinks about the slave girl. I believe these people were on his heart. I believe that they are the ones in Philippi that he is thinking about. We have it recorded in scripture here. 
He's thinking about what God did through them while he was there. That is amazing. The last one I want to talk to you about is the jailer. So now you've got Lydia, you've got the slave girl, you've got the jailer. Why did Paul love the Philippians? He loved them because of the people. <laughs> it wasn't just about the place, it was about the people. Now here's what you got to understand about the jailer. This dude was a mean dude. You got to call it how it is. This guy was mean Spirited. How do you know that? Did you notice he wasn't commanded to torture the prisoners? Have you ever thought about that before from that moment? Look with me here. Look with me at these verses right here. Look at this. Starting in verse 25 of chapter 16. Look at this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Listen closely here. Read this. The prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But look at what Paul does. Paul cries out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're all here. We haven't left. Even though you tortured us when you didn't have to, we're here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Some of you are asking that question tonight. What must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and his whole family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced. This jailer, drastically different from Lydia. I'm so sorry I'm sweating so bad. Goodness gracious. I, I look like I just jumped out of a pool. I'll get a towel up here next time. Holy cow. <laughs> My forehead is beaming. <laughs> Got to address it. And this dude is way different than Lydia and the slave room. Completely different. I mean, way different. This dude would have been the nine to five guy. The nine to five guy, work his job go home, put his feet up, have a beer. Like this would have been the kind of dude that the jailer was, uh, just different. And what happens is Paul is singing hymns and praying and people are listening. Paul has a real joy even when his circumstances says he shouldn't have joy. External circumstances can't dictate an internal Holy Spirit. That's not in my notes. Christ does not break promises. He found joy in being tortured. This jailer is a blue-collar man. How does the gospel grab a hold of him? Are you ready for this? It wasn't reasoning. He doesn't want to talk about reason. It wasn't spiritual power. The jailer's not impressed by the spiritual realm. He doesn't want to see any of that going on. That's not the jailer. No, if in Rome, if a prisoner escaped, whoever responsible for the prisoner would have died. So like a lot of people, what you see here, this is so important. Like a lot of people, the jailer, this man, his identity, he was a simple man. His identity, watch this, his identity, who he was, was wrapped up in what he did. Like many of us, his identity was wrapped up in his job. So the minute that his job went south, he said, you know what, I should just take my life because my life has gone south. But when your identity is in Jesus, even when your job goes south, you stay here because Jesus doesn't go south with your job. <laughs> Like literally the jailer's identity was in his job. So the minute it looks like he's about to lose it, he says he must kill himself with the sword. His identity is in what he does. And look at what, look at what grabs a hold of him. 
Don't miss this. This is so important. It wasn't reasoning. It wasn't spiritual power. What grabbed a hold of him is that Paul didn't run. Paul stayed. He had joy. He had peace. And Paul stayed to spare his life. What led this man to Christ? Watch. What led this man to Christ was Paul being a visual image of what Christ looks like. He literally saw Jesus Christ almost eyeball for eyeball because Paul was living out his faith. Isn't that amazing? So you can reason with people, they can get saved. You can pray for people, they can get saved. And you can live like Jesus and people will get saved. So why are we not seeing people get saved? Could it be that we have an absence of these three? Now I'm sorry to kick off the summer this way. I know you don't want me in your face, but I can't read these passages and not think that there's something missing in our country. We should see revival right now. And when Christians start speaking out and living out our faith, we will see revival again. We will see it. So what are we living like? Who are you modeling your life after? Because people are watching you. People are watching your every move. <laughs> Just like a younger sibling, how a, how a younger sibling watches the older siblings and copies what they do. That's why I try to tell our, our guy and our girl leaders in our ministry, hey, you know, people watch you. They watch what you do, and then they copy you. So what model are you setting that's being copied right now? Is it Jesus Christ or is it you? Because I think that we, myself included, we might be missing it. This man looks at Paul. You realize Paul has lost everything. Let me just give you a reminder here. This dude just lost his career, but Paul's lost everything. Paul's the one being tortured and beaten, and he looks at Paul and sees that Paul has joy and I don't. Paul has nothing and has joy, while when I had everything, I had no joy, and here I am. Doesn't matter what you have. Doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter what kind of family you came from. I'm, no, I'm talking to somebody right now. There's somebody out there right now whose parents are going through a divorce and you feel so bad because of it. You feel like your worth and your value is off because of your family's circumstances. Your example can lead them to Christ. These are the people. These are the people Paul writes to. I'm finishing up here. I'm landing the plane, I promise. These are it. He plants the church, probably most likely with these three people heavenly involved in Philippi. That's amazing. That is absolutely wild. A businesswoman, a slave girl, and a jailer. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that absolutely beautiful? How all different people from all different backgrounds coming together. I wrote this down. Only a supernatural gospel could bring together people who naturally would never be together. <laughs> wow. Only a supernatural gospel could bring together people who naturally would never be together. What do you think our nation needs right now? We need a supernatural gospel. We don't need natural answers. We need a supernatural answer. And I know the people in your life do. Here's the action step. It's already on the screen. Don't ever doubt how God can use you or anybody. <laughs> I got to tell you, there was a time in my life that I thought God couldn't use me. You ever been there? 21 years old, I was lost. I was in darkness, and I didn't think God could use me. And maybe you feel the same way out there. I, I didn't get saved because I thought I couldn't do it, that I wasn't good enough, that I would fall short. And then I started reading the Bible and realizing that everyone God used in the Bible fell short. <laughs> 
Realize I was with them, I was a part of them, and that I could find redemption if I repented of my sins, believed in Jesus' resurrection, and confessed him as the Lord of my life. And at 21 years old as a college student, I did that. I repented of all my sins, which means I didn't just tell God, that's confession. I gave God my sins. I said, here they are, you take them. Do with them what you will, and he nailed them to a cross. (laughs) Have you ever done that? Have you ever repented of your sins and put your absolute faith in Jesus Christ? It's no magic words that will save you. And I want all the Christians to pray right now because two weeks ago we had a girl get saved. You never know how someone can get saved. Right now we're all praying. If you're out there and you want to get saved, if you pray something like this and you mean it, you will be saved. Pray something like this and mean it in your heart. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for loving me. But God, I have sinned. I have broken your law. I have done what you have told me not to do. Father, I repent of my sins, God. God, I give you all of my sins. Forgive me now. And I confess Jesus as the Lord of my life. He is the Lord of this universe. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. Thank you, God. Save me right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.